You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And on today's show, happy to have John Kegley back on today's show, one of the original members of the show. And today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers now uh, for almost six years now, guys, but this is our third season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, it's a little bit of a different show for you guys, but let me just start the show by saying Merry Christmas. I mean, we've already had all of our presents we could ever ask for because we have such a great audience and you guys have put us to levels that we've never thought we could get to. So welcome into all of our new listeners joining in on that and all of our loyal listeners for checking out today's show. And it's going to be a fun one because we get to break down this weekend's matchup against the Denver Broncos and the Chargers are looking for their first three-game winning streak of the season, and I didn't think I'd be saying that at any point with some of the places they've been already this year. But we're going to get into our keys for success. We'll start with the offensive side of the ball and talk about what the Chargers need to do this time around to make sure they finish the Broncos off, and we'll also get into the defense and talk about what they need to do to try to replicate what they were able to do in the first half of that last game before they ended up giving up four second-half touchdowns. And then we'll wrap the show up with our bold and game predictions. But we're going to start the show with the news that linebacker Kazir White has been put on injured reserve. And that has now ended his season. And there's some other big names, pass rushers, and wide receivers on the injury report for the Chargers this week as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. On Wednesday, the Los Angeles Chargers officially placed linebacker Kazir White on injured reserve, officially ending his season. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. Kazir White has had a big role with the Chargers in 2020. He was supposed to be a reserve linebacker for the team going into this season after showing some promise early on in his career before injuries really took their toll. And this year, he had a chance to step into the starting role after Drew Tranquil got hurt very early on in the season. And I thought he played pretty well in his place. There was obviously some growing pains there, but I think that Kazir White is definitely someone that you want on this team going forward, David. And now his season is officially over because he's hit injured reserve. There's only two weeks left in the season. So now his year is done. And it does suck that he isn't able to keep building on top of what had been his most complete season so far to have it derailed by injuries at the end and not get the final chance to go out there and show his best stuff definitely hurts. Yeah, Kaiser White got an opportunity to play a lot more this year with the injury to Drew Tranquil, and this is an opportunity for Kaiser to stay on the football field to show what he is capable of doing. We all saw him excel in coverage. You know, he was a former safety converted to linebacker, so covering wide receivers, tight ends, running backs was coming pretty naturally for Kaiser. I thought he did very well in that aspect, and also had a good amount of tackles as well. He was around the football. He had 77 tackles and half a sack. But this is another year, another season that is cut short for Kaiser White, and you have to 
you have to think. I mean, what does what does the future look like for Kaiser White? Is he going to be able to come back and get some momentum and and show some growth in the off season and ultimately stay on the football field? Because there are guys like Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray, a lot of linebackers right now that are trying to stake their claim at some playing time in the middle of this defense. And for Kaiser White, he's going into a very important time for him. It's either he shows that he can stay healthy and be a contributor for this team, or the Chargers are going to have to look in another direction. So uh, Kaiser White getting his season cut short, Daniel, you never like to see that, but unfortunately, that's the nature of the business. And the other thing that was unique for White this season was just the fact that he had to miss games due to being put on the COVID-19 list, and it hasn't been all injuries that has kept him off the field, and he now only played in 11 games, making 10 starts, but when you factor in that that could really only happen this season, that kind of adds insult to injury there, but I thought in coverage this season, he was so close to making a lot of big plays that I think we'd be thinking about him differently. I mean, he's had some tough matchups covering some of those wide receivers and tight ends down the field, which is something you probably shouldn't ask for too much, but I did think he showed the value that he has. He's a very physical player. He's very athletic, and I do think he will have a role with this team, but with Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray presumably being the starting linebackers next year. It's hard to see where he fits in and if the Chargers will even be running the same scheme with Gus Bradley in 2021. But the injuries don't stop there for the Chargers because heading into the weekend, they have another filled injury report. And the first one that sticks out to me is Keenan Allen, who only had one catch for 16 yards in the last game. He was obviously on a snap count and mostly just came in for third downs when he did come in and he really wasn't able to be that effective and going up against a pretty depleted secondary, he would be a huge weapon for Justin Herbert this week, David. So even though it's just a Wednesday injury report that we're looking at, knowing the impact that Keenan Allen has on this offense definitely gives you some pause. Absolutely, it gives you some pause. I mean, Keenan Allen is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, one of the best guys on third down in the NFL for the last several seasons. He's a guy that keeps the chains moving. He he also has a lot of great chemistry with Justin Herbert. I mean, 99 catches, 130-plus targets. So, I mean, that chemistry right there, it needs to continue to happen. They're both under contract for at least four more seasons together. So, and of course, you want to see Keenan uh, Allen out there. But another wide receiver right now is off the injury report, and that's Mike Williams. And it's that's pretty important, and especially for Mike Williams, because he's been hampered with injuries most of the year. And I think it's really important for Mike Williams to have a strong showing in these last two games to really solidify where he belongs. It's either he's going to show up and he's going to show the ownership and the front office that he belongs to be with the Chargers, and they should not even think about rescinding that fifth-year option, or the Chargers might think about the young guys that they have behind them, like Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson, and if they continue to step up, it might make that decision to let Mike Williams go a lot easier. But a couple other names that were important to mention as well, Nazir Adderley was back at practice, Denzel Perriman was back at practice. Joe Reed was also back at practice. But the last thing and and almost most important for the defensive side is both the Chargers' best pass rushers, Joey Bosa and Nchenna Nwosu, practice in a limited participation and not and did not practice at all. So the Chargers might be very shorthanded going up against the Broncos and Drew Locke on Sunday. And we saw in the last game that Joey Bosa played against the Broncos when he went out of that game. The Broncos had much more success than they had had with him in it. I mean, we know he's a one-man wrecking crew, but 
his importance to this game is going to be huge and very crucial for the Chargers. And to see him even out there in a limited participation is nice to see. But obviously, he's not getting back on the field unless he clears that concussion protocol. And for Chen Uwosu, he was probably the Chargers' best defender last week. He had a really, really good game. And he was able, and he looked like he would be able to have the opportunity to really finish strong and show that he is the guy on the opposite side of Joey Bosa. So I definitely feel for them. But the Chargers will be getting some of those guys back this week. Denzel Perriman will play a big role. Nazir Adderley will have a chance to make up for a big missed tackle. A couple of big missed tackles in the last game against the Broncos that turned into touchdowns. So I'm excited to see what happens. But the biggest guys, Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa, if those guys are able to go on Sunday in a full capacity, the Chargers will have a really good shot at knocking off the Broncos. But we do have two more segments to get into. We have to get into our keys for success for the Chargers offense and Justin Herbert coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And I'm talking about Built Bars. And for me, it's most important that whatever I'm eating tastes great. And that's what I love about Built Bars. You can get so many flavors. You will always be able to find something you like, like apple almond crisp, cookies and cream, caramel brownie, and much more. And they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you can do that while indulging in a delicious treat. And for our listeners, we have a special offer. If you guys go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON and you can get 20% off your next order. It doesn't have to be your first order. Any order, you can get 20% off with that promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I also need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor for the Locked On Podcast Network and the Locked On Chargers Podcast is betonline.ag. The Chargers are a three-point favorite this week against the Broncos if you guys want to put some money down on it. But you don't have to just bet on the Chargers. Honestly, I like to not bet with the Chargers because that's always a disaster waiting to happen. But whatever game that you're going to be watching this weekend, it will have a little bit more stakes if you put some money down on it. And betonline.ag has a special bonus for you because there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. If you guys sign up for betonline.ag today, you can get your free account and use that promo code locked on all caps. One word for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit out on the sidelines this weekend, guys. There's only a few weeks left of football. Get your money in now. Get your free money when you get that 50% welcome bonus. Your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. All right, guys, well, now it's time to get into our keys for success, and we'll start with the Chargers offense as we normally do. And I've always talked about it. It's always nice getting to look at a matchup after you've already seen it once in the season. And this is obviously the Chargers' second time going against the Denver Broncos, and we all remember that first matchup ends up with the Broncos walking off on a touchdown to K.J. Hamler where Rayshon Jenkins gets stuck in no man's land and the Chargers do the unthinkable unless you're, you know, you watch a lot of Chargers and they give up four second half touchdowns to lose 31 to 30. But there was a lot of success for the Chargers offense, especially early on, and it kind of fizzled out towards the end of the game. So, John, when you're looking at this matchup this time around against the Denver Broncos, what is your first key for success for the Chargers offense? It's to keep Herbert active in the game. Let him keep throwing the ball, take your shots, and let this offense run through Herbert. Last time you had a good job running the ball, the Broncos are going to be ready for that this time. They're going to be planning for it, and that means Herbert should be able to hit a lot of deep shots. And you got a lot of success last time running outside the ta- <clears throat> You had a lot of success last time running outside the tackles. Keep doing that. Let Bradley Chubb run up the middle. Or run up the field. One of the two he's going to do. He's either going to pound the middle. He's going to pound the outside. 
Whatever it is, just go underneath or around him and keep the outside runs going. You will get a lot of first downs, and that would help Herbert keep the ball going as well because it will slow down the Denver pass rush. And I think and keep spreading the ball around too, right? I mean, keep getting all the wide receivers involved. Find the open guy and hit him. That's what I want to see in this one. Yeah, but getting back to the running game, I do think it will be important for the Chargers to try to find some of that success. I mean, 210 rushing yards on 38 attempts is nice, and I don't think any of us are expecting them to duplicate that this week. But the other thing I think could be a really big thing for the Chargers is getting Justin Herbert involved in that running game. I mean, there's been so many times this season where you see him running a read option play, and it just seems like most of the time he's resigned to handing it off. And whenever he tucks it, it seems like it's always a free 10 yards. The last couple of weeks, Josh Allen had a big rushing touchdown against them. Teddy Bridgewater had a big rushing touchdown against them. They are susceptible to it. That's always been an underrated part of Justin Herbert's game and an underutilized part of Justin Herbert's game. And I'm really not as worried about him taking the hits when he's running in the open field as opposed to, you know, him getting crunched inside of the pocket. I know people were worried about him taking those hits. At least if he's outside of the pocket, if he's running the football, he's going to see it coming. I don't think it's any more dangerous than standing behind that offensive line. But, David, what else do you want to get into as far as your second key for success for the Chargers offense? Yeah, so my other key for success is target the corners. I mean, if you listen to the crossover episode with Cody Rourke and yourself, he said that there's going to be some very inexperienced and young corners on the outside because of the injuries that they've been experiencing in this part of the season. So the Chargers should look to target the outsides and really make them pay for that inexperience. Let Mike Williams go deep. Let Tyron Johnson go deep. Either way, you know, I like to also see some stop and goes, some misdirection stuff, and that's really going to give these corners a lot of hell. So I want to see that style of play, and, you know, you got to do it. I mean, that's a big opportunity. There should be a huge target on those corners' backs. And that also means you could probably run the pick play this week instead of having to run a wide receiver screen like you do a lot. Run the pick play because an inexperienced corner is not going to know whether to sit in his spot or chase after the receiver. Well, and they're going to blitz you a lot, too, so that's not a bad way to get people open quickly, especially when you know it's coming. And obviously, a key for the Chargers offense is just not getting yourself into those situations. If you're getting into third and 10-plus, third and 7-plus even, it's going to make Justin Herbert's life a living hell. I mean, that's just it's hard to continuously convert those chances in the NFL. It's just not something you want to set up. And the Chargers seem to do that a lot of the time. But for me, I think another matchup besides the wide receivers who should have a field day. And that's where I think, you know, Keenan Allen is so important because if you had Keenan Allen in this game fully healthy, it'd probably look a lot like the Jets game. There's nobody that can take him one-on-one. Their fourth and fifth cover corners are going to be able to guard Keenan Allen. I, I don't think so. So that would have been a huge advantage for the Chargers and it still could be, but that is going to be key. And I think the other thing that we didn't see the first time around was obviously Austin Eckler was out and John, I think I don't want to see the offense devolve into just checking down to Austin Eckler in the passing game, but especially if you're trying to not just force the run on first down and things like that, Austin Eckler versus these linebackers, I think is a big mismatch that we didn't get to see the first time around. And I would love, I love his chances against, you know, Josie Jewell and coverage. Yeah. That's another one of my keys is I remember, I don't know if you remember back in the day when Darren Sproles would run those routes, like straight up the middle along the linebackers and rivers would dump it off really quick. Like, 10 yards in stride and the linebackers just couldn't keep up with him and it was easy 20 to 30 yards run yeah, routes like, like that with Austin Eckler yeah kind of like the little seam it's like a wheel route but instead of going to the outside you're just running straight up by the linebackers and mm-hmm. Sproles would just catch it right in stride and gain easy yards and a safety would have to tackle him if he could 
Run routes like that with Austin Eckler. The linebackers aren't going to be able to keep up with him, and it's a quick and easy dump-off throw. If the When you notice that the linebackers are going to go into a coverage where they split and they live a nice little gap in the middle, hit Eckler in, in stride right over the middle and let him run past the linebackers. You can even, if they even try to tackle him, they'll just slide right off him. He's like ice. He usually takes a safety to tackle Eckler. And try not to do the screen plays a lot. Just make like a five-yard out route. Just plays in front of the line of scrimmage to Eckler. These plays behind line of scrimmage, Eckler just has to always break a tackle, make a guy miss just to gain two yards instead of a loss of seven. Throw it to him in front of the line of scrimmage and let him have that room to run, and he can even angle to the sideline for another seven yards because he has the knowledge and the IQ to know where the angles are to get the most amount of yards on a play. So lead him a little bit, right? Don't 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 make him have to try to create everything. Lead him a little bit and let him create when he has the ball moving forward. That's one way to say it, yeah. And it, But it's mostly just... If you can even do a hook route, which it means he has to stop and turn around and make his own momentum again. But as long as it's in front of the line of scrimmage, he has a better chance versus a catch behind the line of scrimmage where everybody's swarming at him already because you have so predictable. You've done it all year. Well, and yeah, he's getting the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So even if he gains five yards, he's just getting back to a, a zero net gain. So I like that because I think the one thing we've seen less of so far this year is just them not using him as a wide receiver, right? And I think we thought we'd see a lot of that, especially with the uncertainty of the Chargers wide receiving core so far this season. And we've seen Austin Eckler is a very capable route runner. So if you have him specially matched up against a linebacker or something like that, what about the wheel route where he, you know, Justin Herbert had lofted that pass up to him early on in the season and he jumped up and made a play. We're just not seeing those routes being run very much by Austin Eckler, and obviously he's missed a good amount of the season as well. But I definitely want to see that. But when you're looking back at the first matchup between these two teams, one of the things that really stuck out to me was just the fact that it's one of you know the two two interception games by Justin Herbert so far this season, and obviously that's something that has to be cleaned up, David, in this one because in that game, one of them was a, a jump ball to Mike Williams, and you can say whatever you want about the throw. I wanted more from Mike Williams on that play to somehow not let the DB come down with it. Bryce Callahan's actually going to be out, the guy that actually made that play. But those two interceptions led to 10 Broncos points on the next drive. One of them, they went three and out, but they were already on their side of the on the Chargers side of the field. So they just got to kick a field goal. So obviously these games always end up being close for the most part. When you give up 10 points because of turnovers, it's going to hurt you every time. Yeah, well, and also, you got a different quarterback than the quarterback that played them the first time. I think we we saw Justin Herbert learn from the mistakes that he's made, and he's been a lot more careful with the football later on in the season. So, yeah, definitely don't spot them any points. Don't give them any, you know, easy turnovers and try to limit limit the shots. I mean, don't be timid. I mean, you got to take those shots eventually, but you got to set that up. And part of that for me with my last key on the offensive side is to keep looking for the tight end over the middle. I mean, I want to see I want to keep that Triple H connection strong, that Herbert to Hunter Henry connection. They really started to have, formulate that chemistry in the last game. I want to see that keep going. Now, we, I know Henry's on the injury report, so hopefully he's able to go. And if he is, keep looking at him on third downs. Keep trying to help, allow him to keep the moving the football down the field and you know utilize that middle. I mean, you know you got some weakness on the outside, but those linebackers can be targeted as well. Especially if the safeties are going to have to give more help to those corners on the outside because of their inexperience. So I do think that's a good call as well. And the last thing for me is just finishing 
drives with touchdowns, finishing late in the game offensively. Because when you think back to that first game, yes, the defense gave up four touchdowns in the second half. But the Chargers offense on their last two drives also had to settle for field goals. If either one of those drives is a touchdown, you win the game, right? And last week, you tried to win the game with two field goal attempts. You couldn't do it. And then you ended up having to get a touchdown in overtime to win the game. Do not let this game be up to Michael Badgley. Finish drive strong at the end of the game. Anthony Lynn, grow some balls and call an aggressive game at the end of it. Don't try to go for the field goal that puts you up by three on a fourth and two. Go for the touchdown. Go for the kill. Go for the win. It's what we've been asking for all season. There's nothing. What do you have to lose? But that is going to wrap things up for the offensive side. But we still need to get into the defensive side of the ball and get into our bold and game predictions. We're going to do that coming up right after this. All right, guys, well, it's time to wrap up the week by getting into our defensive keys for success for a defense that last time these two teams matched up had the polar opposite of halves. And we've seen that from the Chargers defense so far this year. But I want to know if they can replicate some of the success they had in the first half of that game. So let's get into what we think is a key for the Chargers to find some success and hopefully be better than they were last time these two teams matched up and the Chargers ended up giving up, you know, 28 second half points. So in that last game, in the first half, the Chargers were corralling Drew Locke. They were totally bottling up the Broncos running game and they only ended up giving up two first downs in that first half. I mean, they ended up giving up three points, but that was only because of the first Herbert interception. So I'm looking for the Chargers to find some of that success they had in that first half and hopefully, you know, try to span it out for the entire game David, when you're looking at what you want to see from the Chargers defense this week, where are you going first? The first thing I'm looking at is to continue the man coverage. I think we've seen that produce more turnovers the last couple of games, and I want to see that against the Broncos. I mean, they're not going to throw to the wide receivers a lot, which is another one of my keys is get ready for check down city because that's what they're going to do. They're going to throw it to the running backs. They're they're going to throw it you know really close to the line of scrimmage. They're not really going to stretch the ball down the, down the football field. They don't really do that with great effect. Um, so yeah, definitely continue playing the man coverage and also give Hayward some help over the top. I mean, we know that they're going to try to target him if they do go deep. So give him a little bit of help when they decide to do that. And I think it's a big Nazir Adderley game because when you look back at that first game, there was two times in that game where he had big misses on tackles that really let the Broncos get back in the game. And that's where I'm going to start. It's not just, you know, helping Casey Hayward over the top, but it's just limiting the big plays in general, because even though, yes, I mean, Drew Locke loves to dump it off. If you're going to keep giving him six to seven yards on easy throws, he's going to take that all day. But he will push the ball down the field as well at times, and you have to be ready for that. And even if it's in front of you, you have to make sure that you make the tackle. Because, John, I know that you know in that last game there was a turning point, and that turning point was in the second half. The Chargers, after really bottling up the Denver Broncos running game, Gave up a 55-yard run to Phillip Lindsay with a bunch of missed tackles. Nazir Adderley, obviously, with a big one. And then the other play was a 40-yard catch and run by Deshaun Hamilton, where Adderley slips. He can't make the tackle, and he's the last line of defense. And that's two touchdowns, you know, with 90 yards between the two of them. So the Chargers did a lot of good things defensively early on, but those two big plays, to me, were the reason that the Broncos were able to come back, not just in the game, but come back so quickly. I mean, those are drives that just aren't even taking any time because you're giving up giant chunk plays because of missed tackles. And Philip Lindsay has done that to us before. We, the yep. year we went 12-4, and four, we played the Broncos. 
and we were all pretty confident we were going to win that game with, with how well we've played, how bad they were. And the game started out like that. We The Chargers come out, get two field goals, and you're thinking, okay, they're moving the ball good. Broncos can't do nothing. And flick of a switch. There goes Philip Lindsay for the touchdown that gives the Broncos a 7-6 to lead, and it just changes the whole game after that. So my big key is really just don't let Philip Lindsay decide this game with one big play. Yeah. As much as the the Hamilton play in the last game played a big role in the Broncos coming back quickly, it's really Philip Lindsay. Once he hits that one big run like he does every single year against us in the games that we lose to the Broncos, that game just changes the whole momentum of the game, and all of a sudden it's like the Broncos have new life. Their Lord and Savior, Philip Lindsay, got a 50-yard run. Oh, my God, we have a chance now. We're down 28, but we're going to have a chance. I don't know how it changes their minds, but it does. Melvin Gordon wasn't as much of a factor last time, but I still think you got to keep him yep. bottled up. He is a factor against other teams. He's had a lot of pretty good running performances this year. You still got to keep make him a factor, but Philip Lindsay, do not let him get the big play. Just limit the big plays overall, but Philip Lindsay really has to be the one that you limit. But when Melvin Gordon has the ball, put B.J. Bellow in. Let him smash him and make him fumble <laughs> that ball, please. I'm well, really, hey, yeah, I mean, Denzel Perriman's going to play in this one, too. So, I mean, that could be a big key. I mean, we want to see him smash Melvin Gordon for sure. But Philip Lindsay is also uh, in, is banged up right now. So you could see more Melvin Gordon than normal. Yeah, and when going back to John's point, I mean, Melvin Gordon only had eight carries for 26 yards in that first game, right? I mean, that's just a little bit over three yards per carry. If you take away that one big run, John, instead of the Broncos running for over 100 yards, 108 yards, if you take away that one big run, they ran the ball 15 times for only 53 yards, less than four yards per carry. And you had major success, too, before that run. And once that run happened... Everything else opens up now. It's uh, you. It almost looked like as if the Chargers panicked, too, right? Like after that big run, I happened, felt all it. Of a sudden, I felt the shift as soon as it happened. I yeah, felt it. And I, I made that point earlier this year where there's always that one play in the games that we've blown the leads. There was the one play that just changed the whole game yep. because all of a sudden now the offense knows what to do against the Chargers defense after that one play. Whether it's James Robinson breaking off a 15 yard run, the Philip Lindsay run, like. Buccaneers scoring Brady. right before halftime. Yeah, it's always that one play that just changes everything, and you just cannot have that in this game. If you get a lead, even if you're the, if you're the Chargers, if you have a lead, if the Broncos make that one big play, brush it off. Just say, okay, cool, they got one on us. Big whoop. Keep doing what was working the other 80 plays before that one play worked. Yeah, and the other thing I want to see the Chargers kind of build off from their last game, David, is when you get backed up, because I do think there's going to be times where the Broncos are going to move the ball, you're going to get backed up in your own red zone probably at certain points. But last week, there were two times when you got put in those situations backed up against your goal line where you able to get stops, and that really changed the game. I mean, you made them settle for a field goal early to take away four points, and then in overtime, you gave your team a chance to go down and win the game. And whether it's turnovers or making big plays in the red zone to take points off the board for the Broncos, what it always comes down to for this team is who is going to make the plays. Are they going to be able to make timely plays, timely turnovers, things like that? They did it in the last game. They've been better at it over the last few games. I need to know in this game, are they going to be able to get off the field? Are they going to you know roll over and let them score easily? Or are they going to be able to make some plays late like they weren't able to do in the last one and be able to finish this game off defensively and take some points off the board for the Broncos? It's absolutely essential. I mean, you saw the Chargers in a couple of different scenarios, like you mentioned, were able to stop their opponent inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line. They were able to say, hey, 
you got here, but that's it. You're not getting any further. I mean, I'd go back to the Chris Harris Jr. quote where I loved. He said, yeah, hey, we, we you know, we kind of yielded until we got to this point, but, hey, I need your best three plays. That needs to be the mentality every single time their offense gets into the 20-yard the line going in to score. You know, you need to make sure you give them your best three plays and get off the field because you hold them to field goals and you score touchdowns, you win the football game. It's really as simple as that. My last key here real quick is obviously to get pressure on Drew Locke. I mean, especially in third and long situations, make him panic. You can get the ball out of his hands. You know, he he does fumble. He also does make some errant throws from time to time. Sack him, hit him, make him uncomfortable. I mean, that's a key every single week, but especially for Drew Locke. Yeah, and if you get the chance, if you get the errant throw, take advantage of it, take it to the house, get some points off of it, get some field position off of it, because the Chargers have been like the worst field position team in the NFL so far this season, and you might get opportunities when you do, you need to take advantage of it, and I think a lot of that comes from taking away his first read too, taking away the easy stuff from Drew Locke. When you take away that easy stuff, the extraordinary stuff doesn't happen, so I like that. John, anything else you want to touch on before we get into our predictions? Just be more physical than the Broncos. Hit them hard and hit them quick. This team is one of those type of teams that is like those those corn-fed country boys that come out and all they want to do is hit and hit hard and make their statement. Hit them harder and just keep pounding it. If you got Kalen Balaj who knows how to lower his shoulder, if the Broncos linebackers want to play tough, give it to Balaj and let him hit them harder. Wear them down with their own speed and their own power, and eventually you'll just hit them over the top and take the win right out of them. And I think the physicality for the Broncos in the last game was another turning point for them, right? Some big hits late in the second half, I think, really galvanized that team. If you're the Chargers defense, that needs to be you this week. We're not talking about being reckless. You can't give them any penalties. The Carolina Panthers defense gave them a couple of different drives where they extended it with unnecessary roughness, roughing the passer, unsportsmanlike conduct. You can't do that against this team. Don't be reckless, but make them feel you. That's one of my yes. favorite things. But Yes, <laughs> B.J. Bello, if you Bello. knock Melvin Gordon out and force a fumble this game, I will buy your jersey this week. I am saying it on the show. I will do it. Well, he's a man of his word. Also, keep up the very average special teams play, please. I will take it. Anyways, it's time to get into some predictions we always start with our bold predictions around here. John, I just went to you. David, let's start the bold predictions with you this week. Who are you thinking has a big game? What do you see happening that you think could surprise some people? Well, I'm going to have some fun with this one. My bold prediction is that Austin Eckler is going to have 150 all-purpose yards, and he's going to have a hat trick. Three touchdowns, but one of them is going to be a passing touchdown. So Austin Eckler is going to have a big one. I think they're going to bust out a trick play, and Austin Eckler is going to throw a touchdown pass in this one. I mean, I think you could just say the Chargers are going to run a trick play, and it's going to work, and I would have accepted that for a (laughs) bold prediction this week. John, where are you going with it? I'm going to say the Chargers defense comes out this week with some confidence from two straight wins, and they force five turnovers in this game. I'm going to go five turnovers. I'll even say three of them are interceptions. Dang. Well, I mean, this team, what, four interceptions now over the last two games. A lot of that coming from some man coverage, too. Guys making big-time plays, especially at the end of the game. I love that. Four second-half interceptions for this team over the last couple of games. And they could have really used a couple, even though they still ended up getting a second-half interception in the first time against the Broncos. But that's neither here nor there. Anyways, for my bold prediction this week, 
I haven't really done a lot of Justin Herbert bold predictions because obviously that's an easy place to go. I think he is going to shatter some records in this one. I think he's going to blow the rookie passing touchdown record away. I think he's going for four touchdowns in this one against that depleted secondary that we've talked about. But it's going to be a dual bold prediction because I'm projecting Mike Williams to kind of feel a little bit of that heat. He's off the injury report. I think that Mike Williams is going to go seven catches for 145 yards and two touchdowns in this one. And he's going to have easily his best game of the year. So I think this game, guys, unlike a lot of other divisional games and a lot of other games we thought were going to be close, feels a little bit different. The Chargers have finished off two games and one score games. They've made plays at the end of games besides Michael Badgley to win the game. And I think we feel a little bit different about this one. I definitely feel more positive vibe. I am allowed to bet on the Chargers against the division, even though if you guys are on betonline.ag, I'm not going to tell you to bet the Chargers in this one, but I think you're going to like the scores that you hear if you want to put some money down there. David, you're the optimist of the group. Where do you think this game's going to go? Yeah, well, I see the Chargers, they're going to continue the momentum. I mean, they got a, a win in the division for the first time in like 10 tries, which is great. Yeah, I mean, literally, yeah. they've won, won two games in a row. I'm saying they're going to make that three in this one. I think the Chargers are going to keep it rolling, and they are going to beat another division opponent, and they're going to do it quite handily. I'm going to go 31-20. Chargers win. John, how do you see it playing out? I know you're the realist of the group. I know you're going to have you know your thoughts on whether the Chargers can finish out games, but I feel like even you kind of have some positivity around you for this one. Uh, well, with some... Voodoo magic and some witchcraft He's the going around. <laughs> it, I feel the Chargers have this wave of momentum that they've been riding, and the Broncos have just gotten worse as the season has gone on, injuries and whatnot, and Drew Locke hasn't really been able to live up to the pressure that's been put on him. I feel the Chargers are going to step up big in this game. I still think this might be a shootout just because it's the it's the Chargers. You know, whenever you play a team that's worse than you, you still somehow keep it a game. I'm going to go Chargers 34 and the Broncos say, I'll say 29. I say they miss a two-point conversion at the end and then miss an onside kick. 34-29. So, I mean, the offense putting up points, the defense, you know, not doing great. But, I mean, I think that's definitely a very realistic possibility that could happen in this game. And this one is really tough for me because – It always seems like right when the Chargers seem to be gaining momentum, they just go and shoot themselves in the foot again. I mean, you think back to last season where they go out there and they smoke the Packers out of nowhere, and then they just get trounced by an okay Minnesota Vikings team, right? It just, this team doesn't make sense a lot of times. Obviously, it's different now with Justin Herbert. I really do think the Chargers are going to win this game. All right, you know, I'm going with it. We're going to make it a clean sweep for a Chargers victory in this one. I already said Justin Herbert's putting up four touchdowns. I'm going to say the Chargers put up. (laughs) I'm going to be Santa Claus today, and I'm going to say the Chargers give you guys some presents and win it 38 to 24, a 14 point victory for the Chargers on Sunday. A little Christmas miracle. The Chargers win by double digits, something that I think we've seen one time this season against the Jaguars. So. Chargers pull it out. I think that they are the team with the most momentum. They're the team that seems to be trending in the right direction. And I think Justin Herbert is the guy to kind of keep that thing going. If Keenan Allen's a fully go, if you can get Uchenna or Joey Bosa in this game, I really, really think the Chargers should be able to handle the Broncos. But anything can happen. 
and that's why we watch the games. But that's going to do it for today's show. Merry Christmas to everybody again. Be safe out there. Merry Christmas, everyone. Everybody, be safe. If you're traveling, make sure you drive safe. Going to be a lot of people on the road still, I'm sure. So make sure you be safe. Have fun. Treasure these moments with your family. Hopefully, get some good gifts and give some good gifts as well. And hopefully, the Chargers can give you guys the best gift of all beating the Broncos and shutting up Broncos fans. So that's going to wrap things up for today's show and for the week, guys. Until Monday, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there and make sure to rate and review if you like the show as well. We would really appreciate it. If you guys want to call in with your Christmas spirit and give us a voicemail after this weekend's game, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But hopefully the Chargers can pull this thing out this weekend. Hopefully the Grinch doesn't show up, and we can be back with you guys for a victory Monday. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts. Ho, ho, ho.